you build the office of your dreams and you're passionate about it, you love going to work and it, they did an excellent, awesome job and you just love going to work, what happens? It drives your practice. It drives your success. The national average is you'd go into a new office that's about you and really has met those needs. The average is a 34% increase for two years. What else do you invest in that you get those kind of returns? As a busy and ambitious healthcare leader, your play is always full. Between the endless to-do lists, needing to put out fires on a daily basis, how can you find time to scale your career, enjoy more quality time with your loved ones while doing the things you truly want to do and love to do? I'm your host, Sabrina Rombach, a cardiothoracic surgery PA with a background in neuroscience, psychology, and public health. I was in your shoes, working 80 plus hours per week, taking calls every night. Can you relate? When we are high functioning, we're being rewarded by more work. I was then taking on the role to optimize the operational system and workflow for my practice. After turning my life around, I created this podcast and invited healthcare experts to share how you can gain self-mastery, improve your team's productivity while you gain back 10 hours per week. Welcome to the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. Let's be peak performers again while having peace and sanity. Today, we have another exciting speaker joining us. That is Dr. Steve Anderson. He is the author of Dental Ease, sharing solutions for making the process one will like to take and enjoy when they start to create a dental practice at the same time when you have a practice, how do you scale your practice from a long term? And he's truly solved the pain point that every clinician is experiencing as they look into uh, starting their own practice. And as we make the progress, Steve has helped over a thousand dentists create the stress-free, profitable dental practices through their dreams and the company as we process through some of the struggles that every uh, clinician have been experiencing as you're building a dental practice. So Dental Ease is a result of Steve's 30 years of intense effort and experience showing dentists how to create that dental office they always dreamed about owning. And I can't wait for him to share with the rest of you guys who might and might not even be in dental, but still creating a practice, there's so many principles that we have to consider as you're going beyond just a practitioner, beyond just seeing patients. And there's so many more hats that you have to wear. So thanks, Steve, for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sabrina. I would love to hear some of your journey on why picking dental and why transitioning into teaching people to open up their practices instead of simply build your own flourish practice. My journey was a pain point. My pain point was I was tired of being everything to everyone. And I was driving to work one day and I'm saying, who needs help? Who have I worked with? What kind of field needs the most help. And dentists came first to mind. And because of that, before I got to work, I came up with Denko Dental Construction. 
And DENCO stands for dental construction. It's simple. And then from there, I thought, okay, so what, now what? If I'm going to do that, what should I do? And what I did is probably the best thing I could have done. I took eight dentists that were what I called really successful in their business and their practice. And what I did is I took them to lunch and I invested in lunch and got in return so much information asking questions. So what could I have done better? You know, what should I do now? What do you find as you struggle and what's important to you? And what really is a dentist? How many hours do they work? And what makes up a dentist? What's important to a dentist? And all those things. And that was kind of the beginning of my journey. Yeah. When you point it out, it's so crucial. Everybody who's listening, all Steve did was I needed to do my research. I need to get into those people's head. I need to help the people to understand what their pain points are. So then I can produce something to make them life easier. And the most authentic way he did, let's just have lunch. Let's have a food over a meal, right? And we know culture and tradition, food is always something comfortable. Let's just meet, right? Instead of traditional networking event whatnot makes it too formal you're just having a conversation that's awesome yeah and it, it it was so powerful to me because they spoke from the heart and some of the information i didn't want to hear <laughs> you know there are things i could have done up to that point better but also there were some really great learning points of how the business and how the whole process gets missed and how many pain points there are. There's not just one, but there's countless pain points. You know, dentists not knowing what to do next, people going through the process and people not being heard, people not understanding what they're saying and, and so they don't ask enough questions. And the list goes on and on and on. When you talk about not being heard, we know by research, number one factor by performance is appreciation. And that means you need to be heard to be seen. And that actually beat out more in your salary, more bonuses, economy, or training. Now, I think in medicine, a lot of times we just felt like, if I got more training, if I got more certification, if maybe I got a, a business degree, then I can be very successful. Instead of all these information, if you are not extracting the right thing, it's not going to help us to achieve our goals. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I found and probably the most important question that I found as I talk to dentists, as I talk to students, and I advise them and say, understand who you are. You know, it's so amazing. And they say, well, that's, that's okay. But I said, really understand who you are because you're going to make decisions quicker. You're going to be more focused. You're going to, everything you're going to do becomes more purposeful. And then once you get in that niche and that passion, that passion just drives you. It becomes easy and effortless. Be open to the wind blowing you side to side and people's ideas and thoughts. Going to seminars and rather than take the whole thing with a fire hose and try to fit it all in and make it all work, instead take those one or two items that really apply to you. And it just helps you focus and it helps you really drive your purpose and grow. You're so right. What do you focus on? your success will become flourish. Our mind are so good at, oh, if I meet someone and I never met that person 
before, and somehow they're popping up in our life left and right because we start paying attention to that person, right? Even friendship that people that you haven't talked to for a long time, and somehow you start noticing what they're doing because now you become more aware. So of course, our own behavior, our own action is the same way, and therefore we have to be able to focus on what you're saying. Be so particular about the conferences, about the information that you want to have, instead of just like drinking from a fire hydrant. Because we already drank from fire hydrant when we we're in school. We don't need to do that again. No, and I have so many, especially students or people that are just starting to practice. They might even have worked out in the field for six, eight, ten years, and they become this okay, I got to do what this company says. And the one thing I found that's consistent with all these majority of the professionals is they're focused on what's best for them, not what's best for you. They're focused on what's best for them. So I, I say, when you go to these seminars, when you go to these classes, you know, put the screen on, put the filter on. And I've had clients come in and, and they just spent $10,000 on a program or uh, helping with finishes, or they just got signed up and they just went to this $3,500 class and they got this big, thick book and, oh, it's going to help me. It's going to, and I say, okay, let's set this aside. And they say, whoa, wait, whoa, wait, you're going to take it away from me? I says, no, we're just going to set it aside and we're going to ask some questions and ask some questions about I know what they do and what they promote and what they're about. So I just ask some pointed questions about what their operatory is going to look like and how they run their practice and what's going to be important to them, whether they have a consult or not, or, and go through those things. And then we pull the book back out and their notes and say, okay, you're going to keep about 20% of this. What? He says, yeah, let it go. Because this is about you. It's not about them. And that's what this whole thing is about, is that's the whole purpose of why I wrote this Dentalese book. It's about helping you step-by-step step make better choices that will help drive you and make things work better for you. Exactly. Every single practice is unique. It is about the individual practice owners, not about what everybody else has a model, right? I think a lot of time. We like the easier solution. Therefore, we're just looking for these hacks, these tactics, instead of what will work for you in your practice, the strategy that actually makes sense, that leverage on your skills that's beyond clinical work and something you actually enjoy. So then you can have the momentum and you actually keep going with that instead of feeling like, oh, Someone taught me this. Now I have to adapt everything. I don't even know how that is going to fit into my practice, right? It's so reverse thinking. Yeah, and people get so caught up in that, but they're willing to spend thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. And basically, they end up with something that's their program. And what's interesting is I've done well over a, a thousand design build dental offices. And what's interesting, there's not one that's alike. And people say, well, how's that? Is there any dentist out there that's alike? You know, even Siamese twins are going to be different. They have different wants, different needs, different desires. And that's what it's about. Is And there's this lovely thing, Sabrina, that people don't realize. You touched on it earlier. Is when you build the office of your dreams and you're passionate about it, you love going to work and it, they did a 
excellent, awesome job and you just love going to work, what happens? It drives your practice. It drives your success. The national average is you'd go into a new office that's about you and really has met those needs. The average is a 34% increase for two years. What else do you invest in that you get those kind of returns? Yeah, 34% national average. I've had clients that have been 50, 60%. And there's some that are in 20%. And why is that? Well, everyone has their own baggage. Everyone has their own restrictions. And some are more open to growth than others. And some have their own little processes that they want to keep that's more about them. And they're, they're more about a slow growth. But the issue is there's huge growth. And why is that? You know, it's about they love to come to work. The passion of all the people around them that work with them love it, too. And they get excited and they jump on the train. And then all of a sudden what happens? Their patients go, whoa, I've had offices that we did a major remodel to. And one I just got a review back yesterday and they said, I gave you six stars. And I said, and why? He says, I had patients that walked in and looked and turned around and walked out. They thought they were in the wrong office. And we've had doctors that go, I was in this office before and you're in this new practice. And all of a sudden they're giving them all these referrals. And they go, what What changed? He says, you doctor, you changed from the standpoint of you're always the same person, but now I have pride in you. Now I can refer you because your surroundings match who you are. There's a lot of psychology to what you put yourself in. Exactly. It's about the message. It's about branding. It's how you show up, who you are as an individual person. It makes who you are as a dentist, as a practitioner. But clearly your personality, the the way that you show up is going to be different from the person that's two blocks down from you. And if we don't have our unique individuality, we cannot stand out as that expert because people can just always get a second opinion, go to someone else's clinic and why they will come to you. So of course, we have to make sure that your office, the space, the experience that you're providing for your patients need to be unique and pleasurable and fit into that character of them and you attract the right people coming back to you. So what do you think from, I know you work with both the new grads and the established business. What do you think is one of the most common mistakes for the new grads versus the established clinicians? Most of the new grads are they're grabbing all, all the, you know, the rings. They're trying to figure out what to do. And so they go on and they believe everything they hear. You know, they listen to countless podcasts and there's excellent ones like yourself that have really solid information. And there's other ones that are tainted or more skewed towards their Kool-Aid, so to speak. And then all of a sudden they have all this information and they end up freezing because they have information overload. And then they don't know what to do. Then they go out and spend $50,000, and hire professionals to do and help them through this process because they don't know what to do. And that's probably the single biggest. And then not having the right professionals. And that goes hand in hand with what we just talked about is as they go in, they'll do one of two things. Either they do the blind trust. And we've all experienced that where I've had some very painful experiences 
one of which I put me in bankruptcy because I blind trusted my office manager quite a few years back. And I made that big mistake. And that's why I share that so freely is that's what this book is about, is just trying to help people make better choices so you're not blindly trusting someone. And it gives you some insights on questions to ask of whether it's your accountant or whether it's your architect, contractor, equipment person, and so on. But asking those questions, you know, are they listening to you? Are they listening and looking at your wallet? You know, what's their best interest in? And so how many of us had those conversations and you poured your heart out to someone and the first question out of their mouth has nothing to do with what you just talked about? And Exactly. Do you think uh, sometimes that we got into the spiral of when you even said it the first time, well, information overload, because I don't know what to do. I'm just grabbing onto that little piece of things I thought I understood and I just ran with it. Right. And because when you're at that capacity, you don't even know what to ask. So having your book, having you as a mentor to tell them these are the things that maybe you never thought about, but it should be some basic criteria. Now you can build and to realize who truly can help you versus the other people just have an idea that they want you to buy into. Yeah. And that's also why I wrote the book is from the standpoint of, I can't do them all. I don't want to do them all because I, I want some balance of life. And so in the process, I wanted to help dentists just make better choices and make them more effortless and help them streamline. And you know, as well as I do, is every area is different. Every area of the country is different. They all have unique people and there's some really gifted people. And you might have a really good contractor in this area, but over the next state over, they don't. But their strong suit might be the architect or it might be the equipment person. And the book helps you focus and figure out who those are. And then they can come alongside you and help build that team of trusted. And then another word that doesn't get used very often, accountable professionals. You know, that accountability is huge. And we talk about it a lot because, again, back to that blind trust issue is you want to make sure people come back to you with good information, but not be afraid to share the rewards. I mean, I think of a dentist I talked to down in Tucson a few years ago, and and he was saying, I'm proudly, well, I've, I've spent $40,000 a year for this consultant. And I said, well, what's your return? And he said, well, we're doing okay. <laughs> and, I, and I said, define okay. Are you going like this? And he says, yeah, we're doing about like this. And I said, why do you still have him there? Well, he's kind of become a friend and he shows up for lunch when we have our meetings and I can't let him go, you know, but that's what we get sucked into because most dentists, the one thing I found when I first started lecturing at dental colleges was a little fact. Dentists don't like conflict. Minor issue, but how does that fit into the big scheme of things? It's interesting. I've done polls. I've had a class of 106 or 90. And I say, how many of you like conflict? One will put their hand up. Right. I mean, that's what we talk about in positive psychology. That is avoidance tendency. We try to voice the pain because yeah. we're so good at being a service to other people. We wanted to please them. We want to make sure people get rid of their own tooth 
A or have a beautiful smile, and you you wanted to everybody to be on top of each other, right? And then the difficult conversation part it become hard, and whether it's we're afraid that the conversation gonna go south, it's gonna make things worse, or we are afraid that oh maybe it's not exactly what has happened. Right or people hire their own family to run their offices and then they can't even fire them and it just become yes yeah, sometimes a little nuts in reality instead of hiring professionals to be able to keep them to certain standard and when people who got hired as professional and somehow they transition into that friend zone you still have to have boundaries be able to say yes and no to have these discussions. I think even from many people I work with, clearly I'm not the expert as you with the operation business side. I'm all about just the mental immunity side, right? How do we make decisions and get rid of these sabotaging tendencies so we don't get trapped into have all these options and tools and can't even optimize them? And that's the most powerful thing that you can do. The best gift that you can do, Sabrina, for any professional is to help them deal with their baggage. You know, I, I even talk openly in my book about, you know, if you got baggage, get a counselor, hire someone to help you deal with it and get rid of it and work through it. And I did, I have. And, you know, I even did a, a checkup last year, you know, just saying, you know, I have some of these things that just aren't working for me. And it takes a big person to really acknowledge that but you succeed so much better and you're not dragging this ball and chain every day along with you when you have this self-sabotage. And I dealt with that early on in business and it was brutal. And I mentioned that I went through bankruptcy and I went through a class and, and they go, well, you caused that. You set yourself up for that. And I'm going, no. It they hurts, go, right? It's like, how can I? I mean, I said, absolutely not. I said, no, there's no way. And and then I started thinking about it and I'm going, I set myself up for that. And that's what you need to hear is we all go through things that pile on to our body and our, and our being, and it becomes part of us. And some is good. And sometimes a lot of it's bad. And we just need to work through that and what that is. Exactly. And it's okay. I believe that all of us have some type of self-sabotaging tendency. It's not to say I'm so confident in everything I do. I no longer going to have any of them. I need to diminish everything. That is really putting ourselves into a tough spot to say, I have to be this perfect person. And in healthcare, we know it's patient. And you have to practice with patience, right? So even that we're in itself, we don't have to be a superman, superwoman to be a great clinician, to be a great boss, to be a great person, to create these amazing changes in your community. We have to just simply realize, you know what? These sabotaging tendencies, they're just my brain created these persona. They're not to me. Myself is already amazing. If I can just call these things out that don't serve me quicker, then of course I can get to a better state, right? And so, Steve, have you seen, even from the established clinicians, what are some of the downfalls? And then what are some things when you work with them, you can click like that? Um, They think they know it all. And they're afraid to say they don't know what they don't know. 
it might be a little simple phrase, but there's a lot of truth of you don't know what you don't know. And it can be so painful and so detrimental to your future if you don't understand all these questions that need to be asked to help you move forward. I'll give you an example. Uh, I met with a doctor a few years ago and and he had the plans totally done. And I walked in and he says, Steve, you're going to do the job. Here's the plans. Let's get going. And I said, that's nice. Let's walk your office. So I looked at his office and I'm going, hmm. And then I asked him some pointed questions and we laid out the plans. And I said, you're not dealing with any of your pain points. And he says, well, what pain points? He says, well, you've been here, what, 10 years? And aren't you a little frustrated in your operatory? And he says, well, yeah. And you're, getting, you're, you're bringing in a new dentist that is 100 pounds bigger than you. He's six inches taller and he's like a big linebacker. And in the process of this, you have an area that's too tight between your head wall and your head with your patient. And not only that, the sink is in a terrible location. And he says, you're right. What do we do? And he says, well, number one, let's stop the insanity. At minimum, change the new operatories. But I said, look at this. You hired this professional over 10 years ago to help you lay this out. And they didn't do a really good job in the operatory, but they were a dental specialist and it is what it is. But let's acknowledge it and let's move forward. And you have the six foot hallway outside the operatory, six feet. And I said, we could take a foot, we can take you as much as a foot and a half, and you'd still have a spacious hallway. And we could do this all while we're remodeling the office. I said, really? And I said, don't you think your linebacker that's going to start here in a few months is going to appreciate being able to fit in the operatory without having to turn the chair every time he walks in? It's just one of countless opportunities and, and things that I see regularly is the extra question not being asked. And they've gone, they went all the way to permit. And I've had a doctor that I talked to Sabrina with just a, a week or so ago. And as we were talking, he's, he gave me the program. And so we're going through all the lists. And a program for the audience is basically, what do you want to fit in your box? What do you want it? How many operatories? Do you, do you want them all the same? Do you want just for hygiene? You want to have surgical ops and, you know, naturally have an equipment room and sterile. And, and we get into the break room and waiting room and so on. And I go down through the list. And so I go, okay, so I'm a little conflicted. He says, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you just gave me a program that's 2,800, 3,000 square feet. And you just got done telling me that your broker's looking for a 1,500 square foot space. Which do you want? He's going, well, no one ever told me that. And I said, so let's be clear. I says, you know, cost of construction's up. Cost of doing a lease or a purchase is up. And you want a return. But the bigger question is, is back to that who and why. Who are you? You know, are you wanting to, you see yourself growing in the future? If so, we need to think about the 3,000 square feet. If it's something that you're really thinking about, you know, you're going to do an, another office in the future, or you just want to grow this to a certain size and sell it, or that's just you, that's okay. Because there's a lot of dentists that just have one practice and they're four or five ops, and they have this little thing like, I don't want to tell anyone because I'm not going to grow and I'm not going to get bigger, but they can have a very successful practice and do everything they want in that, but they have to be okay with who they are. Back to that thing, Sabrina, 
Right. And it's all about we got into a space, right? We, we start getting comfortable and then we just accept it is what it is. Instead of thinking, how do we optimize? We just simply allow our mind to say, oh, it's too much to even think about what could be better because it's going to use a lot of my brain power that I didn't even have or thought about until someone like you, Steve, uh, come in to point it out ergonomically. Do you think it's really feasible? And for someone else to come into your space to be able to function instead of having all these roadblocks that your office created. It's not even like you you intended to be that way. Um, but I think a lot of time is that, well, I bought this place. It was designed this way. I didn't even thought about how can I make my life easier so I can make my patient's outcome better. And if we don't ask this question, it was never going to be there. And of course, we can be very good experts in many areas, especially professionally, but it's hard for us to be experts in all area of our life. And that's why I ask our speakers and all my clients to take a self-assessment, right? When you look at your whole life, what does it even look like to you? How are you doing, right? And we know by psychology, self-determination theory tells us the more we reflect, the more we know that we are able to have higher performance and resilience as we keep going forward. So Steve, when you saw your the life will, anything popping into your head? First thing when I took it, I said, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. But as I did it, it did two things for me. One is it reaffirmed that I'm on the right path. Number two is it helped me understand I still have a few areas that I need to improve on, but I already knew what those were and I am working on. And it was really powerful for the the reassessment because I hadn't stopped to think about it. I I hate to admit it, but I get busy. You know, I have life. You know, I, I have a family. I have grandkids. I have business. I do podcasts. I lecture at the colleges. There are lots of different things that we do. And, and the thing is, is helping me stay more focused on what my priorities are. And that was just a, a, a good flashlight, you know, just to kind of, hey, how are you doing? You know, remember you you had a couple goals and don't forget about those. And not that we would ever do that, but, you know, especially for men, you know, the tendency is we want more and we think we need to work harder and we need to work longer. And typically our personal life suffers. So. Yes, uh, I totally believe what you're saying. When you have these big missions, you're doing so well and you just keep going at it. And sometimes it's hard for us to reward ourselves, just see all the amazing things that had happened. And then that will give us the feel to keep moving forward when we are getting trapped into just being busy all the time and working out all these amazing things. We don't even see all the awesomeness that we have already established for ourselves. So thank you so much for sharing that. I know a lot of people are going to want to dive deeper into your book and even contacting you to learn more about your services. How can they find the book and then connect with you? Dreamdentalpractice.net. Dreamdentalpractice.net. And if you can't remember anything else, Denko Dental Construction, you go on the website and it has a link to it. But again, Denko is then stands for dental construction, Denko Dental Construction, um, or Steve Anderson. So. Amazing. 
Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening in, whether you're watching this on the live stream or you're listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. What is some major takeaway that you had or some of the questions you might still have during our conversation? So please let us know, leave a comment below or give us a review on iTunes. Until next time, bye guys. All right, my friend, how did you love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can continue to build your positive intelligence for that beautiful mind of yours to live powerfully and passionate. I know this just the tip of the iceberg. You probably have a lot more questions on actually how do I implement those things into my own life? Well, this is the solution. Joining us inside the private Facebook group Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Powerful Passionate where I go live weekly to answer any questions that you have and continue to put more resources for you to help you to get to that point. You can be both powerful and passionate where you're no longer working on any mundane work and truly focusing on the things that matter. You can be both powerful and passionate where you can overcome any mental roadblocks keeping you from success. You can be both powerful and passionate where you feel energized from the moment you woke up to the time you go to bed. Join me and together we can create a life where you can be both powerful and passionate.